In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. and gentlemen it's friday it looks like we made it i hope everyone's having a beautiful day i hope you got plans for the weekend i hope you got to wake up in the embrace of the person you love the most so i hope the sun is shining the the birds are singing and the wind is at your back it is with great pleasure that i introduce our distinguished guest today regina huber If you're a team leader or manager craving career advancement, Regina is the guiding force you've been searching for. With a profound understanding of the challenges you face, feeling stuck, overwhelmed, or perhaps overlooked, Regina draws upon a remarkable journey of personal and professional growth to inspire and uplift. Regina's narrative unfolds from her roots as the self-proclaimed shyest kid in the village to a stellar 16-year career at Boston Consulting Group where she ascended to leadership positions and managed global offices. Yet craving new horizons, she embarked on a transformative journey that took her from successful entrepreneurship in Argentina to a painful setback in Brazil, losing both her business and self-esteem due to a fraudulent partnership. Undeterred, Regina's resilient spirit led her to New York, where she courageously began rebuilding her confidence, merging holistic studies, leadership, and neuroscience. She discovered a profound purpose in mindset, energy, and heart set. As she rebuilt her own life, Regina recognized a shared struggle among women in financial and tech services. Brilliant, yet unrecognized. Regina's mission became clear. Inspire others to overcome these challenges. Her proven methods have helped individuals achieve rapid promotions, negotiate substantial raises, and reclaim control over their professional destinies. Today, Regina stands as a beacon of inspiration ready to guide you toward your next career milestone. Ladies and gentlemen, Regina Huber, how are you today? I am doing great. How are you today, George? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this. And we've kind of touched a little bit in that that introduction. We touched a little bit on who you are and, and who you got to be. But I was wondering, maybe you could share a personal story about something that that 
has really transcended the way you see the world in the last few years? Yes, uh, there are definitely a myriad of stories in my adventurous life. I have had a very eclectic life, uh, as I like to think about it. It started in Germany, as you said, you know, as the shyest little girl in the village. And um, this adventurous spirit inside of me has always pushed me out to the world a little bit. That's at least how I how I felt it was. And so at 19, I moved to Munich and then I uh, really never stopped moving ever since. <laughs> so I moved to I moved to uh, Madrid after Munich abroad for the very first time at 26. And I've since lived in um, several different countries on uh, several different continents and uh, worked uh, on five continents as well. And this very rich multicultural experience is, I think, what shaped me into who I am today. And then there are all these little stories, of course. We all have our um, rejection stories. We have our adventure stories. We have our pain stories, our growth stories. Yes, I believe that one of the stories that really shaped me was a not so happy one <laughs> with a fraudulent yeah. business partner in Brazil, which taught me many, many different lessons. Of course, uh, it, it there was a big loss of money involved. I lost a business eventually through this experience. But most importantly, at the time, I lost my self-esteem and my confidence. And I learned how to rebuild it. I learned how to step out of this victim mode that uh, it is all too easy to fall into into a self-empowering mindset and this was a big big growth experience for me it didn't happen from one day to the next but it was an uh, it was a process that has definitely um shaped who i am today I have a lot of really interesting adventure stories, too, that are much happier than this one. But I wanted to share this because a lot of people go through challenges, and I believe that we all learn through our challenges. Yeah, it's one of my mentors growing up. He was a very successful businessman, and he, he decided that he was going to get into the fishing industry in Cabo. He went down there, and he bought some boats, and you know, he, he had what he called his Mexican baptism. And that was losing almost everything, you know, and it sounds similar to, uh, I like the idea of a baptism because in some level, it's like you are being initiated into the other world's ideas of business and who you are. And on some level, when you go to start a business in another country, you are dealing with all of another culture's ideas of your identity unfairly probably on a lot of, a lot of different angles but maybe we could dive into like what happened down there like you know were there unrealistic expectations when you went down there was there a friendship that was sort of you know manipulated like what what happened in that story yeah no it was really somebody who turned out to be fraudulent some to embezzle money from a mutual account that we had set up mm -hmm. what happened is i had my business it was most for the most part, it was my business. It was a dance and holistic wellness studio. Mm -hmm. It was a brick and mortar business for which I had bought a house. I had it built out. You know, I, I it, it took a while, of course. It was a big house. I put all my money into it, all my efforts, all my heart and my passion into it. 
And uh, when it was finally all ready and we were ready to inaugurate and, and I had invited all these people to this big inauguration party, uh, that was when I found out that he had embezzled money from an account we had for another project that we wanted to start, sort of a side project. So his role in my business was actually only a partial role. He was, I was, I was going to use his name for part of the business, right? Because that's just sure, how, sure. how that collaboration was yeah. going to work. And then this happened. So what, what that meant is now, not only could we not do the second project, which was not the big issue really, but I could not trust him for what we already had. It was all, all of a sudden, you know, crumbling for me because it did depend greatly on his, on his name. So that was, that was what happened there. And I think, um, one mistake I, I really made is I didn't do my due diligence. Mm. I had always been really going with the flow, which had worked out just fine until then. Right. And all of a sudden also there was this doubt that although I'd done really everything by myself in the past, okay, there are always people who, you know, who we collaborate with, but I had walked on my own path pretty much. And all of a sudden I thought, okay, maybe there's somebody who can help a little bit. And maybe it's just better if there's someone else, you know, you're in this country, you don't know everything so well. And that was, I think, one of my mistakes or learning curves <laughs> rather right. when I figured out later that I could have perfectly done it by myself. I didn't really need this other person. I had done it before. I had uh, established, I had founded and opened and successfully entertained my own business, also brick and mortar business in Argentina before. And that despite having to fight against corruption, corrupt yeah. city authorities, I even won a lawsuit against the city of Buenos Aires. I mean, there's, you know, I was totally able and capable of doing this. And why did I not trust myself enough? And think I needed somebody else there to help me. I think that one that was one of the things, but also to just not ask around enough. I trusted this person because he had a name, because I had met him on a, on a friendship basis, you know, and 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 we had done some other small business. I was actually a customer in a way because I took classes with him. So all of this seemed enough while I believe that there was actually an inner voice, an intuitive voice that was whispering to me saying, hey, you know what? That doesn't sound quite right. Something's, something's not quite right. And I didn't listen to it because I wanted it to be right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that confirmation bias that gets us sometimes, but yeah. it's such a, it's such a unique, well, maybe Maybe the unique is not the right word. I think that in the world of entrepreneurship, like we're faced on both sides. One is that you can't do it alone. And the other two is who can you trust? And yeah. those two forces kind of come at each other at a level that coalesces in that inner voice. And you really have to, you know, hone that inner voice, that, that heart set, like you call it. Maybe you could maybe talk a little bit about that more because we, we do need each other to grow, but how do you trust people and what happens when you trust and you get burned? Yes, absolutely. I'm all for co-creation and collaboration. Okay. Right. 
I just believe now that, first of all, I have learned to trust my intuition more again. I have really practiced this heart set, this, this one asset that we can find in our heart of many, many treasures that we can find in our hearts, right? Yeah. So I, I, I had to relearn to trust this inner voice. I had to also relearn to, I don't know if that's even the case. I do trust people relatively easily because I always want to see the best in people. However, you know, that, that trusting in business situations where it, where money is involved, where it's, um, it's something deeper, a longer term collaboration. I think I'm just much more cautious with that right now. And I'm also more cautious with who I let into my core business. So one thing is to collaborate on different projects right. with other people, which I love doing. And another thing is, who do I let into my business as, as, as somebody who has an important voice in it? or even, even an external reputation voice, you know? And, and there I'm, I'm, I'm pretty protective, I have to say. <laughs> because also, it's so hard to account for other people's messages. Now, oftentimes, even sometimes, it has happened to me on, on, uh, on podcasts or in, 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 in life situations where it's then hard to correct, where people quote some celebrities that I do not resonate with at all because I know too much, right? So and that these are situations that are a bit tricky. And when you when your when your name, your good name is at risk, I think we need to be protective as business owners. That does not mean we cannot collaborate with others. Yeah, it's it's a I think that that is maybe it's where I'm at in life or maybe that's the state of the world or I'm not sure exactly what the, the the reasoning is, but it does seem like we are in this new space where we where we we are trying to come up with a message when we co-create. And even though we may come from different parts of culture or we come from different parts of business, you know, how do we get a message together that resonates? Like, what do you do when you meet with someone that's in a business that you like, but kind of has a different message? How, how do you co-create with that? Yes, I think they can coexist and, and, and coexist peacefully and even co-creatively, which is more than that. Right. Right? Right. Co-creation is even more than collaboration. We create something new and bigger together than we could create on our own. Mm -hmm. How do you bring these complementary, call them sometimes assets, right? These complementary um, skills, talents, uh, wisdom, knowledge, resources. How can we bring those together so that we can build something bigger together or something surprisingly different that we just could not build on our own somehow, right? Because yeah. we have different perspectives, because we have, uh, uh, yeah, new ideas, different types of creativity and how it fits together. Somebody might be a great speaker and the other one might be a great writer, just to yeah. give you a simple example. And they come together in this in this perfect 
symbiosis where they can create something beautiful together. You know, it's interesting. I I hear a lot about co-creating, but it Mm -hmm. seems there's something that plagues us. And it's this idea of identifying categories. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what I hear all the time is that, you know, I think that we all could benefit from having more women founders out there. But often one of the problems I hear is that a lot of a lot of people are like saying that there's no funding for women out there. They get such a small percentage of it. Like do you think it's a problem when we when we identify as a group? Like when we play like group dynamics, doesn't that on some level drive a wedge in between the people that need to fund the people and stuff like that? Like breaking us down into like groups that seems to be a problem for me. Like, why can't just the best ideas win? Yeah, I'm absolutely for the best ideas to win. Yes. I'm absolutely for merit-based everywhere in companies. Right. Now, I just talked to a lady the other day who said, I should have been promoted to this and that you know, position last year, but I was told that I couldn't because they had to promote a diverse person. And I mean, first of all, I have to laugh because we are all diverse, right? <laughs> Such uh, a good answer, yes. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I mean, how can one person alone be diverse? That's not possible. So the, the, so that's not okay because that creates division that creates yeah. resentment that creates all the things that yeah. we supposedly want to not create with these initiatives, with the, you know, it's just not right. So yes, everybody should have the same possibilities, the same opportunities, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes it's also what we do with them. And I'm not saying that there has never been discrimination or whatnot. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, you know, we we are taking it to an extreme where we are constantly putting people into, you call it categories, I often call it boxes, and we forget to see the individual, to see the human being. And you know what? For me, inclusiveness is exactly that, to see the individual human being with all their unique greatness and unique brilliance, because that's what it's all about. Because when we do that, the discrimination goes away automatically, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You know, when you shine a light onto differences, that's what you find. But when you shine a light into, you know, a diverse group of thoughts coming together. That's what you find. And I think we just get that, we get that mixed up sometimes because yeah. it's, there's so much emotion evolved and involved in it. And it's, right. it's fascinating. I, I do think we're on the precipice of, of creating a better world where a more diverse group of people can come together and solve problems, but we, we kind of mm-hmm. have to get out of our own way, I think. Yeah, and out of out of this conformity thinking, because yeah. you know, a lot of those initiatives actually drive us into more conformity rather than more diversity, more yeah. diversity of thought, more diversity yeah. of perspective. And uh, we need to be really careful to not cross that line too much because it is a lot about, you know, it is really a lot about mind control, frankly. And politicizing the topic. So to come back to the fu- uh, to the funding, so I you know, I've heard this too. I don't have all the exact data. I'm not so much a data person. I really look at how can we find a solution for the individual or, you know, if, if it's a training group, whatever, right. uh, or a team, how can we find a solution, right? So not so much looking at, oh, I, poor me, I'm not getting the funding. Uh, I'm looking at, okay, what can you do? 
right? right? What can you do to maybe get it? And you know, some businesses don't get funding easily. If I create a coaching business and a lot of women who are founders in that sense or who are entrepreneurs, they are in coaching, they are in, 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 in activities that don't as easily attract funding, I think also, because we are natural caretakers, at least to some extent. And we also need to look at, okay, how is this data composed? And I don't know the exact answer, but but from we're observing, you know, there are women who get funding when when they have physical products yeah. more easily, for example, right? Um, we could maybe get, you know, some people get grants, uh, but I think it's a, it's a difficult topic. I really don't know that it is because they are women, frankly, and I don't. I'm not contradicting it. Right. I just know. Yeah, I, I, I really think that there's a opportunity for maybe for us to move past the idea of founders and start working as like a team of founders. I think that when one individual is a founder, you know, it 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 really puts a lot of pressure on you to mm -hmm. to be this incredible thing that doesn't really. I, I don't know that one person creates anything. It seems like a team of yeah. people create or give energy to an idea. And when we, you know, when you look at, I don't know, it just seems, it just seems odd to me, but I'm really, I've, I think the future is going to be a, a lot more co-creation. And once we start getting over these rigid ideas of categories and blaming things and stuff like that, I think we're going to move into this world where we have a lot of abundance and that it kind of brings me up to, to this idea about networking. And in your experience, what role does networking play in career advancement and how can individuals effectively leverage networking opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. Networking is, of course, key. Right. <laughs> we know it, right? Uh, now, I would say sometimes it's worth going outside of the regular networking path like walking a little bit outside of that so instead of for example if you are in an organization you want to build your internal network or, or extend it then maybe go a little bit outside of your uh of, of your business line right and and look into other business lines within the organization go outside of your organization also i used to be a member of the Financial Women's Association's leadership group, not because I'm a financial woman, but I wanted to connect with these women yeah. because I can I can help them. And so I did a lot of volunteer work, uh, setting up events, doing some speaking also through that, right? And, and you know, they, they were networking with other women, of course, in other organizations, but then also, and gladly so, there were women or also some men, but mostly women in this case, who came in from other industries and joined them. Because I noticed also that uh, they could actually benefit from having from potentially providing services. And it's not just about coaches. There were, you know, there were lawyers, there were yeah. other professions that, that connected as well. And I believe that when we show true curiosity 
an interest for what other people bring to the table, then they are also more easily willing to help us out and make introductions and connections. I love to connect people and build bridges. Yeah. I, yeah. And when somebody does that, they will also get offered new connections that might potentially lead to new business or a collaboration or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, I think there's something to be said for the bridge builder, someone who can go into, you know, a group or some meetings and maybe not come out with anything for themselves, but can come out with something for the other person. Like, you know what, you know, who you should talk to is this other person over here. I noticed you guys share this thing. And I think that's a vital part of, of building who you are, building an identity or even a business is just being able to understand the connections. And I think that's where, where networking can really play a big part of it, which which connects to the idea of meaning. Where do you put the idea of like a deeper sense of purpose in, in business? Like how, how does that fit into the idea of business in your mind, like a deep set of purpose? Yes. First of all, I believe that purpose has several meanings, right? And it yeah. depends on how everybody defines it for themselves. I believe my purpose is twofold or maybe threefold. Uh, one is growing in life, growing as who I am, call it a soul being or whatever you want to call it. Um, another is to make an imp or to have an impact, to make a difference, to do something as you call meaningful, right? Yeah. <laughs> something that, that has intrinsic meaning and that could be you know that could be cleaning it could be anything really it doesn't always have to be something like a, you know a speaker that speaks to millions of people from a stage uh, then the third is to really also then that that type of yeah so 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 really growth that uh, making a difference and all, also feeling that this is aligned with who i am Right. So it doesn't feel inauthentic so that actually I can be happy while doing it, while I might not be happy at every little moment. You know, overall, I feel fulfilled and, and happy with what I do. OK, I believe some people can find this outside work. Some people, you know, do their work because they want to do their work and make a certain amount of money. And then they, they, they volunteer or they find it in their family, whatever. I just don't think that's for most people, that's not sustainable forever. That's at some point frustration sets in or maybe even depression or burnout. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important, at least for most people to do the work we love, or at least a piece of the work we love. And also feel recognized yeah. through it. Because if we only work, 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 and if we even love the work, but nobody sees it ever, and, 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 and we are never acknowledged, then that can also lead to frustration, of course. Yeah, that's, I want to touch on that for a minute. Like the idea that, and I think this, this happens to most people in your life is that you begin creating something and maybe you're happy with it for a while 
but then it doesn't go the way you want and you lose that inspiration or you lose that fire or you lose the motivation and, or you know, maybe it's just an age thing where like you've aged out of something and you're no longer finding the passion and joy in there. What, and, and for some people that can be a blessing later, like leaving something behind that you no longer want to do and taking an opportunity to reinvent yourself, whether it's magic or tragic you know in your case it was it took losing everything in order for you to rebuild something new that you was a new part of you maybe you could speak to that transition like what mm -hmm. is that something that happens with most people and what do you do when you when you have left everything and you're starting something new what's that transition like and yeah. what are some tips and tricks you can help people maybe move through there yeah for me it was also harsh in a way because i really had not planned on leaving right. rio de janeiro but my work permit uh, was somehow also eventually lost because i didn't pay the authorities off i, I was fighting it <laughs> i was like i have this thing i want to save my integrity i don't right corruption okay was was not an, an easy uh, thing to do really because i really wanted to stay in rio de janeiro however I also had this inkling that I, at some point, potentially wanted to live in New York City, which I hadn't really seriously considered before. And when I when I arrived in New York City, I was li literally standing there and saying, hey, what am I going to do with all this eclectic experience, with the resilience I have gained, with all my leadership right. experience at BCG, with the different languages? Uh, now coming back to an English-speaking, you know, territory after speaking, of course, Spanish and Portuguese for for seven years, without a network <laughs> in New York City, yeah. not knowing anybody except for like maybe three people who were always busy and traveling for work. So it was a completely new start, but I was excited and and I said, okay, how am I going to fit all of this together into something? meaningful here it comes again right. uh, where you know where it could have meaning for me personally give me satisfaction but also make a difference and that's how transform your performance was born this coaching uh, speaking and training business of course it wasn't from one day to the next and i had to do a lot of clarity finding i had to first of all gain my confidence back and my self-esteem that's also how eventually i wrote the book that i wrote speak up stand out and shine because i had to come up with crutches for myself, some tools and techniques that allowed me to even go network and speak about a business that didn't even exist yet, right? right. So all these different things that, that, that we encounter on this path. Yes. And, and, and I, you know, it wasn't totally clear in the beginning what exactly it should be, who exactly I wanted to work with. It was all a journey. I, I believe that sometimes when we're not on the right path or when, when it's time to take the curve or to, you know, have uh, or just really go in a new direction, do something different. If we don't do it, if we drag it out too long, if we resist it and procrastinate, the universe sometimes steps in and says, hey, you know what, here you go. <laughs> Here you yeah. go, I'm gonna take it all away from you. Now, now you see how you resolve it, right? And that's when this blessing moment, as you mentioned earlier, I believe, if I remember well, when you only said, uh, you know, sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. A lot of people yeah. can see it in the moment because that's when we are shocked, when, when sometimes we're even devastated, when we're in pain. 
But later we recognized that this somehow had to happen so that we would embark on a, on a different journey. And I see this also with clients of mine who get laid off. You know, some of them yeah. have been like considering like playing with the idea for a while, but they didn't want to take the step. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, yeah. and then they, they got to take the step, but then they actually often are relieved because it was no longer right for them. You know, and, and, and it could be anything really. Hopefully, for some people, it's a sickness. Hopefully, for most people, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that. A lot of people also go through deep transformation when they get seriously sick. Yeah, it's I, I love the holistic and borderline spiritual approach to it. I think that there is a force bigger than us and it's going to like, it's going to walk you up to the edge and then push you if you don't jump, you know, it's like, okay, you got to jump and I can't do it. And then there's just this force that says, yep, you sure can. And it's going to push you off. And like, it's that leap of faith that is not only frightening, but liberating on some level. When you take that jump, you no longer have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You may have a new weight on your shoulders. You may have the fear of falling on your shoulders. But I heard a good quote that said, the difference between fear and excitement is a breath. And I think that's what happens to people. You know, and it's, I, I hope that people who find themselves pondering the idea of starting something new and creating a new pathway in life versus staying with this old thing that's creating a lot of misplaced anger I hope they choose the first option because the world's trying to tell you there's a better option for you, but you got to believe in yourself to do it. And I, you touched on something that I want to go back to for a moment. And that is this, when you moved to New York, you had to build crutches and tools in order to get to the spot that you wanted to be. Is that something like, can you just talk about that a little bit? Did you need to know that you had to build a tool to get where you wanted to be? Or was it like an energy or let's talk about that. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah, so I had studied a lot of holistic stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> holistic modalities like body talk and then some other uh, really powerful modalities. And those gave me a lot of the tools I needed to transform back into my courageous self right. and into my more confident self. And of course, you know, they, they gave me ideas for, for tools right? For, for example, how to trigger a feeling of confidence. I had learned that I could anchor something in my muscle memory and then just trigger it if I wanted, if I needed it yeah. for, for like a, a challenging situation, like speaking in front of an audience, for example, or going to a networking event. I had learned how energy works, that I could use energy tools right and optimize my energy to enhance my presence my perceived presence and to at the same time and this is why i love the energy tools uh, raise my my confidence level with those exercises right and uh, and these are what i call the crutches that that i later put into my book speak of send out and shine because i figured that they could help other people as well and i wanted them to, to be available also to other people. And, you know, you, I also want to touch on something else that, that you said. So you talked about fear 
mm. and excitement. Uh, I sometimes also call it to turn anxiety into excitement because sometimes it's that anxiety, borderline fear that we that we experience, especially when we move or want to stay in this so-called comfort zone, which is actually not comfortable at all once we know we want to get out of it. So actually, I call it usually the convenience zone. And uh, why, do we, why do we not want to step out of that? Because there's uncertainty outside of that. And there's fear that we need to face. But there's also no courage without fear. We cannot have courage, which, by the way, is also in our heart. We can find courage in our hearts because fear is in our minds. Courage is in our hearts, right? And and uh, and if we cannot feel fear, we do not feel fear, how are we going to find courage? Courage yeah. is doing it despite the fear. Fear can actually be a really great transitioning tool to call it something into the you know the jump that you mentioned yeah right without that fear maybe nothing happens actually if we don't face that fear so it's, it's okay to face that fear and acknowledge it instead of suppressing it uh, and, and 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 make a decision to move through it and face it and then say okay i'm gonna do it anyway and then it might feel still a little scary, but it feels already better because you know that you're moving. You know that you're taking action. You know that you're taking the next step. And sometimes action means just sitting down and reflecting and making a plan if you're not ready yet to take the first step. That's fine. Also, a lot of people struggle with confusion. I always say confusion is the first step to clarity. <laughs> don't be afraid of confusion if you're not in a state of confusion and you want to have big change in your life how would you get there if you never go through confusion you will never start thinking and reflecting and listening inside of yourself at least this is my take on it <laughs> yeah it's it's beautiful that, and this is why people should be clicking the link below and checking out your books and reaching out to you is that you have a wealth of knowledge and more than that lived experience. You know, what's it like to, when you talk about confusion being the first step to clarity or finding tools in order to be stepping stones and to get to the places where you are, that's, that's hard enough when you're in your own environment, but what's that like to go to another continent, another country and try to put that into action? Yeah. So <laughs> I sometimes, traveled with a job, but sometimes I also traveled to a whole new continent with just a dream in my pocket. I love it. Now, when I left my job, my leadership role at BCG San Francisco, I packed up everything I had. I flew down to Buenos Aires to open a bed and breakfast. I had no idea of how to write a business plan. I had no idea whether I needed a business plan. I had no idea of how it all worked, whether I'd find a house, you know, uh, how a bed and breakfast even works. I just, I went there and I started doing it. And you know what? It was number one on TripAdvisor for the entire time almost it was open. 
And you know why? Because there was not, we didn't have as many tools back then. There was not as much online. But yes, I set up a simple website in four languages or whatever. <laughs> Just everybody could understand it. It was pretty basic. And I signed up for TripAdvisor. And I had this idea that if I sent every single, uh, every single guest a review link afterward, that they could easily fill out in one or two minutes that they would do that. And this is how I got to number one, I believe, you know, also because I had great mattresses and, and the most amazing breakfast of all the other 20, uh, 44 uh, better breakfasts. Okay. Sometimes even made the bread myself. So, and really great tourist service, you know, information where I, I told people about things a little bit off the beaten track, which is what I like to see when I travel. So, Plus, and here comes the collaboration, right? George, I made friends with a neighboring bed and breakfast and they soon sent me their overflow because they were more established, longer established. And so we exchanged guests when we had, you know, my place was relatively small. Yeah. So I, you know, I just, uh, I sent people to them and they sent people to me. And that's how it worked. It's on. It's beautiful, and I, I I think it does. This does speak to the idea of collaboration. You know, it doesn't have to be this zero sum game where like you are here and I'm here, and if you don't lose, I don't win. It doesn't have to be like that. But for some reason, it, it seems we've been plagued by this all or nothing mentality, and it just it people can work together and be successful and be even better. You know, and we can have our own ecosystem of people that are willing to to trust a little bit. And it's hard. I, like you said, in the beginning of the story, like you can get burned and you probably will get burned. And if you do get burned, what lessons did you learn from getting burned? And right. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And even, you know what? I, I have the craziest stories with this. <laughs> I hear them. Like there's a, this, this one story when I sent my money down to Argentina, right. I'm not going to go into too much detail because <laughs> it's a little, but but at some point, this money had disappeared on its path to Argentina. And I had to literally find it again because the guy who was helping me with this, his English wasn't great. Mm -hmm. So I found my money again on the internet. Can you believe it, George? I don't know how. Yeah. Somebody must have, like my spirit guide must have said, look here, look here, right. look here. Because there was no other way, no other way. I, I was like so baffled when I said, oh, here it is, here it is, here's my money. How did I even get here? You know, I would never be able to describe it again. And and uh, so the, the money was gladly not lost, right? But uh, later, I actually had to transport that money from where it was to the seller's bank. And we had to pay cash in, in Argentina at the time, at least it could still be like that. You had to pay dollars in cash at the bank. So you can imagine this, like you're sitting around a table at a bank at the seller's bank usually, and you're counting dollars, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then you pay and then you sign and then it's yours. So it was not recommended to take a cab just outside the bank where I was picking the money up or the, right. or, the, or, the, or the place because there were cases when taxi drivers actually were observing that, you know, and, and robbing people. 
So I found myself on a hot summer day in Buenos Aires, carrying several hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in my socks from one bank to the other. Can you believe like one That's wrong so move, right? Money falling on the street, like, and it could have been gone. Like I have more of a story. <laughs> many, many. <laughs> actually did it again when I sold again. So anyway. <laughs> what, were you born with an adventurous spirit? Like, it sounds like you have these, did you have similar adventures as a kid growing up? Like, is this something you're born with, do you think? Well, here's the thing, right? I was very shy as a kid, extremely shy. Uh, there were also not many kids my age in the village of 10 houses where I grew up in. I was, I grew up on a small farm, uh, uh, as the oldest of, of five. And uh, what I did see, though, is my dad, although, you know, we, we could never travel as kids for vacation because my parents never had a vacation. They could never get away. My dad had a, a, a full-time job in addition to the farm, so you can imagine. But we did yeah. go to the mountains sometimes, which were not too far away. Whenever my dad had time and, you know, could, could make it, we, we would go to the mountains and he would go also on ski tours and stuff like that. So he loved adventure, actually. He took his bike to, to Budapest once, a simple bike, like back then, right? Not these modern whatever. Da, da, da. No, it was a very simple bike. He, he rode it to, all the way to Budapest from our little village in the southeast Germany, of Germany, not too far from Salzburg. And, and 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 then later with an, with the same friend they they went all the way down to I think it was the same friend anyway to to almost Rome Italy where it's like all hills and you know that's the stuff he did when he could right and uh, later I found out that we actually had a, an extremely adventurous uh, person in our family in the, in, in my dad's lineage who I never met. He, um, I, I never knew about him until a few years ago when there was a documentary about him. This guy traveled up all the Nile from East Africa, where the Nile starts, like, you know, Uganda, Rwanda, all the way up to Egypt in a boat by himself. <laughs> He's, that's the crazy thing to read. I, I don't know that anybody has ever repeated that or survived that, right? He was almost eaten by crocodiles once. He was thrown into prison once because he needed a permit, which he actually had to travel through a, through a specific area. He, he ate with the pygmies. And, I mean, it was like everywhere he slept, uh, everywhere he stopped, sorry, he, he ate and, and, you know, and, and slept with the people he, he encountered along the way. This was this guy, and he had also actually um climbed mountains that hardly anybody has ever climbed and by himself and uh he was just not famous he did presentations slide presentations to finance his trips and so on but he wasn't like world famous you know he just did these things very humbly by himself and he did have an, an older friend who sometimes was with him who and and then sadly he was killed actually at the end of this trip, up um, and probably arriving to Egypt in Egypt. It was almost done because he we know because he 
there's there's proof in, in the form of postcards and some photos that he he would send with those you know cameras that we have back then the uh, instant cameras right yeah but it, it's it's a it's a really really fantastic story uh, I had no idea so when you asked about adventurous spirit it's probably coming from that lineage <laughs> I love it and I, to me it speaks to the idea of success you know it seems it is at least in the Western world we identify success with lots of money in a bank or living a comfortable life but perhaps for some people, a successful life could be an adventurous life, someone who's taken chances and someone who's traveled and someone who has a, a, a wealth of stories they could tell by a campfire that would keep people captivated. Like, you know, I, I'm hopeful that we can begin to see success or broaden our definition of success into these things. And I think that when you do that, I, I think that you you have more to give. You know, it seems like someone with a lot of money has a lot to give, but maybe someone with a lot of experience has even more to give. And I think that's one thing that's unique to you is that you have all these adventures, you have all these amazing stories. And that is where I think a real teacher can stand out. And I think that's what you are. Where you're helping so many cool people and you've written these things. And I think you're just getting started on some level. You have all these cool things, but maybe you could speak to this idea of um, delegating 10 to 20 hours a week of busy work. What and how leaders yes. can effectively identify tasks for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I do, I just really wanted to pick that idea up really quickly because yeah. you know, it, a rich life to me, as you said, you know, to me, it's about having a freaking amazing life. That is, you know, this is really what I call a freaking amazing life. <laughs> it's not always perfect, it has its ups and downs. Uh, yeah. We all have them, but it's, it's about okay, do you live the life? that is aligned with you, right? With who you are. Yeah. But to come back to your question, yes. Um, yes. So I have created what I call a taskmaster tool. It's a very simple tool. I made it in Excel where we identify activities. I made this once for a client who needed it. And then I, I created it as a freebie, you know, yeah. uh, for, for other people as well. Uh, and where we really identify, okay, what are, activities that are indispensable what activities that we don't really need to do if those are the ones that usually go away when we don't do them get to them in a week or so right and all of a sudden they magically disappear <laughs> and nobody cares if they're ever done and then there are things that we need to delegate and uh, sometimes that doesn't depend on us so we have to negotiate the delegation and when we're in a leadership role where we have that what we call authority sometimes or that decision making yeah. you know uh, uh, power then then we can decide it for ourselves but then we also need to trust our team because we cannot delegate or it's hard to delegate when we do not trust we want our team to trust us as leaders we want to build trust but do we trust our team this is a two-way path right yeah. so I think that's also important an important uh, um, learning curve for a lot of leaders because it's of course sometimes hard to trust that somebody does it equally well as we but what if they could even do it better yeah <laughs> and some people feel threatened by that too right yep. 
But, but a lot of times I think is that we don't trust that they can do it as well as we do. And maybe it doesn't always have to be perfect. Maybe it just sometimes has to be good enough. And maybe it's not perfect, not not even good enough the first time around and then we need to step in but then you know and support not do it ourselves again not step in in that way but but support so that we can then create that learning curve for for the people who eventually can do it themselves and over time this will free up of course a lot of busy time um i also believe that sometimes just by taking a break, we can actually save time when we are too stressed out or anxious or what, you know, any of those states where we feel debilitated, it's really hard to focus. A little break can do wonders at times too. But again, to come back to that very simple tool, Taskmaster, it has several different columns where we here we do categorize <laughs> categorize into you know uh, tasks or activities according to also whether they are important for our career whether they give us visibility whether they're important for the next level we want to get to uh, so that we can make sure we have enough time also to focus on our own career growth if that's uh, something we want because a lot of people just shove more, and especially women, oftentimes they shove more uh, more tasks and, and and responsibilities onto their already full plates, thinking that someday they will discover it and reward it for it uh, with a promotion or a raise, and that's just usually not how it happens. And they don't realize that they get busy and busy and busier, but they don't really have the time to be visible and to do you know, presentations to decision makers or participate in a panel or find those opportunities for themselves. So I also want my clients to be very conscious and deliberate about what new responsibilities they take on and which ones they better leave to the side. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating to me to get to hear the different perspectives of someone with so much lived experience. Additionally, I'm always intrigued by someone who can speak multiple different languages. You know, it, it seems to me when you can do that, you're forced to think in different languages, which forces you to see the world in a bigger, in a bigger way. Like you're able to see the symbolic meaning of things that maybe other people can't. Like some of, if, if you only speak one language, you know, you have like this sort of lens that you put on and you see the world. But if you can see through three different shade color glasses, all of a sudden you can tell the lilies from the roses and you can tell the, you know, the Venus flytrap from this other carnivorous plant over here. But maybe you can speak to this idea of, of how not only getting to travel to these different continents and countries, but also getting to speak the language has helped you model reality in a different way. Absolutely. Different languages have different structures. They have different grammar. And that tells you that people think differently. Okay. And uh, there are words that are untranslatable. Like, for example, the Portuguese word saudade in, 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 Port in per European Portuguese pronunciation or saudade Brazilian. <laughs> it, it, it means something like yearning, something like 
something like many things, you know, like missing somebody, like it can have all these different meanings, but there's no exact translation for that word. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be nostalgia, but you have always to somehow describe it or use a translation depending on the context. And that happens, I think, with any language, right? There are languages where certain concepts have 10 words where we only have one. It is really amazing how that, how that works, right? It, it, I believe that you're absolutely right. It opens up your horizon. You start thinking in different structures and different types of logic, because also mm-hmm. language have their logic, the English language yeah. the least. <laughs> Yeah, but, at least what, as far as pronunciation is concerned. But, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, even your mouth adapts, everything adapts according to what language you speak the most. I had this experience, for example, when I spent my first few years in Spain and I would come back to, to uh, or go, go back home to Germany once a year. And I could not pronounce the German S. I would, everybody would say, du lispelst. The German speakers here can, can know what that means. I, I, I was like speaking like, like with an S that was, did not sound German. Okay, not at all. It sounded Spanish. And it, 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 it took me several days to be able to pronounce that naturally again. So it was really interesting. Also, my 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 siblings always laugh at me when I when I visit home now, especially my younger sister. She she likes to tease me with these things. The word you just said does not exist. You know, I make words up <laughs> because <laughs> I influences from other languages, yeah. and then I just make them up. And sometimes, you know, even if in your own native language, you say the other way around. Is it? would be in this other language, it happens sometimes. So it doesn't mean you mix everything up, it just, there are certain, you know, words. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting concept, how culture flows into the language, just as culture flows into the dance. I love to dance and to mm. observe all these different dances. Yeah. I've learned a bunch of lessons through dance for business and for leadership as well. So, you know, there's there's all this diff- there are these different aspects of, of culture also how languages sound Mm. some languages sound very abrupt like german can sound abrupt european spanish can sound abrupt too latin american spanish the different versions of it usually sound less abrupt they sound more i don't know what to call it now softer Mm -hmm. right or you know European Portuguese sounds completely different to Brazilian Portuguese to an extent that sometimes they don't understand each other and the, and the movies have to be dubbed. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such an interesting phenomenon. Language is also some, yeah. probably one of the reasons I, why I love to pick language apart and question so much because when you learn a a foreign language 
you want to understand the logic sometimes or the, the why something is called a certain way. Now, when I look at certain terms in business that don't make sense to me, then I just cannot use them. I would never use it. The term time management doesn't make any sense to me. Priority management, yes, but time management, we cannot manage time. Time just is. It doesn't let itself be managed. And that's why people get so frustrated when they want to manage it. Yeah. But, and, 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 or work-life balance. What is that even? Right? Work is part of life and balance we're not going to achieve anyway. It's again about priorities. It's about what's most important right now, maybe in your life. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Like, I, I had never thought of in my life how speaking a certain language could change your facial features. But why wouldn't it? Of course, like, that, those are all the muscles in your face. And if you pronounce this a certain way, it's going to change the way you look. And then that bleeds into, you know, why, why does this culture look this way versus this way? Or, you know, it's so mesmerizing. Or even dance, I never thought about that either. But what does that speak to? When, when someone does the samba, it, like that's such a different relationship than someone that's doing this other dance over here. Like it speaks to the idea we interact with each other and why maybe this culture doesn't really get along with this culture. Like they have whole, it's, you can see it everywhere. It's amazing. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. And I believe, you know, maybe your face doesn't completely change through it, but, uh, but your face muscles adapt, yeah, you know, they adapt sure. and they, and they, and, and the, and what becomes easier to pronounce, uh, is is now you know some things are now becoming easier to pronounce versus other things now then when you start speaking a different different language again more often or for the first time more yeah. often then you adapt to that right um that's why when we even spoke a language in the past and haven't spoke, spoken it in, in in a while why it's harder to pronounce it correctly again because Everything has adapted. Yeah, and I like what you said about structure too. Sometimes you put the noun before the verb or the verb before the noun. Like, you know, you can see that in society. Well, this is more important than this action. We're going to talk about it right now. And some people are like, we're going to do it right now. Like, I bet there's a lot of similarities in the structure of the language and the structure of the action, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, we, in German, we put the verb always at the end. So we would never take action, right? <laughs> But that's what makes the translator translators work so hard for when they have to translate to German or to know actually from German because yeah. until the end of the sentence they don't know what the person is gonna say in terms of the verbs. But in English, for example, would come at the, pretty much at the beginning, not exactly, but yeah. So that that's what makes the life of a translator hard sometimes. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. Is sign language universal? Like, I I don't know. Is that are you familiar with sign language for people that? Are I'm not. I'm not. Uh, and actually, it meant interpreting, not translation. Translating just now, uh, right? Because translation is usually used for for written, but yeah, yeah. For interpreters. But uh, but anyway, so so yeah, I I'm, I don't know, but I would I would. I would think so. I, you know what? That's a question that I asked. Yeah, I'm write and then I forgot to actually look it up. So I have to look it up now. Me too. Maybe in the audience, there's somebody who knows. Yeah. If there's anybody in the chat right now, put it in there. I would love to, I would love to see that. It's, I don't, it's just fascinating though. The idea of language and communication and 
all these ideas that we have about translating and interpreting and taking action. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to me. I, I, Regina, this is a fascinating conversation and just like that, an hour already blows by. It's so much fun to talk to you. I, I, I hope that everybody will take a moment to go down to the show notes and check out the books, reach out to you as, as someone who is a coach and a leader and someone with lived experience. But more than that, someone who sees life as an adventure. I think that the world needs more of that. And I think that you are uniquely placed to help people see the adventure in life and in themselves. But before I let you go, what do you have coming up? Where can people find you and what are you excited about? Yes, I uh, have several new projects in the works right now. I just cannot talk too much to them yet. But yeah, there are some collaborations actually going on. And I am considering also to do a, a co-creation project for a podcast with a friend in South Africa. So that's something I think I can already say. Again, you know, just uh, really the usual, lots of exciting projects, uh, some some online workshops in the works, uh, a masterclass on, uh, on pay raises coming up next week again. I have done some similar ones. This one is going to be a little bit shorter because sometimes people don't have an entire hour. So I'm, I, I am focusing specifically on pay raises in this one and three secrets. Uh, in that in that context that people need to know I have been and I shouldn't maybe even say this because it might become a commitment right but I have been thinking about this new book and I, I started jotting down some notes and whatnot I just haven't really gotten to it yet but mm -hmm. at some point there will be another book and yeah I, I always you know love working with bold, value-driven and people-centric leaders. If you need anything in your career for your leadership, for your leadership presence, your leadership skills, I'm here to work with you, to support you. Reach out and we'll have a chat. Well, hang on briefly. I'll speak to you briefly afterwards about a few small details. But ladies and gentlemen, I cannot recommend Regina enough. Go down to the show notes, go check her out and... I hope everybody has a beautiful day and a beautiful weekend. And I hope you choose to live an adventurous life and, and do some pondering on your idea of success. That's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Aloha. Thank you. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that... I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. 
But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.